Welcome to the Jack and John podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're on a mission. To help you focus on Christ. Yes. So, hey, guys, here we are. We're in Mark chapter 9, and we're going to jump right in. We're talking today about the transfiguration. Okay, so Mark chapter 9, verse 2, six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Rabbi, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He said this because he didn't really know what to say, for they were all terrified. So Peter had nothing to say, and he said it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus with them. Well, Jack, let's let's just stop and go through that little piece right there. Well, he has just talked about a wicked generation that would be ashamed of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had said, if you're ashamed of me, then I'll be ashamed of you. But they didn't know who he was. And nobody at that point really knew who he was. And so Jesus is going to, I believe, reveal himself to his inner three, to Peter, James, and John. And if I can explain it the best I understand it, I may be wrong, but I think this is kind of what happened. I think he just kind of let his humanity kind of go away. What what was left was his deity shown through. And the Bible says in other places that uh, his robe glowed like it was uh, on fire, like the sun was shining, like like it could never be cleaned by the, the, the best tide or gain that you can find in the grocery store. It would, and he shone, and uh, it would have been a sight to behold. And then to have Elijah, who was uh, a very powerful prophet in the Israel mindset, and also Moses, who's the lawgiver, there with him, those guys were absolutely blown away. And Peter said something like, wow, it's really good for us to be here, <laughs> you know, and have you ever, have you ever done that? Have you ever been in a moment like a holy moment or a divine moment or a, a I don't know, just a, a moment of worship or praise or something like that? And uh, what did you feel at that time? Sometimes if we're a little bit more self-motivated and oriented, we would think, I'm sure glad I'm here to witness this, you know. We might say if we're a little bit better, we might say, boy, I sure wish John and Mike were here to experience this. Um, But sometimes you just need to shut up and sense what's going on in the moment. What is God doing? What is God saying? What do I need to glean from this? What do I need to learn from this? And I think that's what they needed to do. What can we learn from this? And we hear the voice of God. We heard him 
when Jesus was baptized. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And basically, I hear God saying to Peter, this is my son. Shut up and listen to him. Mm. Basically, what I, I would hear him say, probably, Jack, shut up. Listen to my son. He's got something to say, and it's worth hearing. So, uh, yeah, I think this is uh, just kind of an amazing thing. This cloud comes down, overshadows them all. Jesus shines, Elijah and Moses. Wow, what a uh, spiritual experience. What a mountaintop experience they had. Absolutely. We talked about this, this business with the cloud before. and right. um, on Sinai. Right. Yeah. Well, on, on Sinai, uh, over them. the tabernacle, right. leading them through the wilderness, um, in the temple. Um, and when he ascended, when he ascended, right. exactly. Mm-hmm. So the, the cloud is, is an important thing to, to remember here. The other thing is, you know, they're comparing this, this moment. Jesus is, is basically taking them back to the times when he has appeared in, in the past, because he appears, you know, God appears to Moses in the burning bush. And Moses was smart enough to not say anything, okay, unlike Peter. And what, what happens? He, he's not even looking at the bush. He's looking at the ground because he's afraid of seeing God. Now, these guys are terrified. Um, but Moses was afraid of seeing God because their belief was that, that you couldn't look and at God and live, hmm. um, not in the fullness of his glory. Now, it doesn't really tell us here 100% that Jesus presented himself in the fullness of his glory, but it, it was certainly uh, yeah, pretty full. It, it probably wouldn't have been the fullness yeah. of glory. They wouldn't have been able to live either. Probably. Yeah. Um, but when he says, when the voice of God speaks down and he says, this is my beloved son, those are the same words that were used when, when Solomon was announced as the, the king to follow David. Okay, They called the, the, the one who takes the throne of David the beloved son. Okay, So when, when God says, this is my beloved son, he's announcing that Jesus is the king, okay? He's reaffirming that he's the son of David, uh, that he's the one that's set to reign. And then when he says, listen to him, he's saying, these are my words in his Mm -hmm. mouth. He's got the authority to speak. And when you see Moses and Elijah come together with him, you see the eternity, the eternal nature Mm -hmm. of of God. Um, These people are long gone, but they aren't dead. You know, this yeah. is the God of who Abraham, uh, Jacob, and Isaiah, or Isaac. Isaac and Isaac. So All those guys. Yeah, all those guys. He's the God of all of them. And uh, that's because he's an eternal God. Right. And the, the, uh, that we will live eternally. That if he wants to bring us around to show somebody us one of these days, he and, can do it. And God shows some mercy in this scene, too. Yeah. Because think about this. When Peter says, let's build tabernacles, let's build shelters for all three, he's using that same word that they would have used to describe the tabernacle, the, the dwelling. Yeah, so you want to and so in a sense, he's glorifying Moses just as and much. Elijah. I see. And that's part of why God is separating mm-hmm. his son out. He's saying, look, guys, you've had Moses and the prophets. Here's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Here's Jesus. All right. Hey, let's let's read on here. 
So, well, first of all, before you move from this, a couple of things that happened was they were told to tell no one, Mm -hmm. which um, you just saw the most amazing thing that any man has ever seen before or after, and you can tell no one that you saw you weren't a part of it. And that goes against these guys' nature because they want to be the greatest. They want to be special, right? They tell no one. The other thing is you have to understand that Elijah uh, suffered. And so kind of what Elijah, why is Elijah doing there? Well, he represents something to the Israel nation. And that is his suffering and the way he ascended without dying to heaven in a fiery chariot. So there's a lot of things here that's going on. And uh, we know that Jesus is going to suffer as well. And um, yeah, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come and they did to him whatever they please, that it is written of him. So there's a similarity between that suffering that they're still trying to get across to these disciples about the suffering. So now you can move on when they come down, then from the Mount of Transfiguration, from the mountaintop experience, they come down into the valley and they come right into a mess, another mess. So... um, Yeah, I was going to read that yeah, section that you just summarized. Well, I, 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 jump, I summarize. Read, read so, that section. There's it's, plenty it's of Bible. All good. Okay, there's plenty of Bible you can read. <laughs> I'm glad you stopped me from jumping to the demon possessed yeah. people. Yeah, don't go too far. Well, I stopped. It's okay. All right, so. We're jumping down to verse 14. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and ran to greet them. Now, first, I want to say, the, the crowd always seemed to get it, you know? It's like the disciples weren't really getting it. But the crowd is like immediately, it's like, okay, here's talk, talk, talk. And this is probably what you're thinking about Jack and me right now. It's like talk, 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 talk. Oh, here's Jesus. Shut up. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's like they didn't have to be told, hey, listen to him. Yeah. They're like, okay, oh, you guys will see you later. Um, hey, Jesus. <laughs> By the way, I left something out that if you had read it, you wouldn't have left it out. And that was that in that passage, which I think is very important. Jesus tells him he's going to rise from the dead. Absolutely. And Don't tell him. anyone until the Son of Man has, has risen, risen from, the, from dead. the dead. And then they're going, what? Risen from the right. dead? He's adding oh, all yeah. of this information and it's just messing with yeah. their mind. Totally messing with their mind. <laughs> so Jesus says, what is all this arguing about? One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people. (laughs) Ouch. How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. I, what, were, what were they supposed to do? Was, it, was he just upset because they couldn't heal him or just... 
Well, their I beliefs. think one of the things that, that you see is going. He's come from the mountaintop, and now he's down yeah. in the valley. And what's going on is the 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 disciples are having an argument with the Pharisees. Right. The Pharisees have said, "Hey, you couldn't heal the kid," and they're starting this argument. Well, who gets left behind? Who gets forgotten about? The boy. Yeah. The boy that has this need. And so here's this boy with this need, this father, who, by the way, uh, has mustered all the faith he probably can muster to bring the boy to Jesus. He gets there. The disciples have been given the power to heal, so they don't understand why they can't heal the boy. And so basically it's a mess. And it's interesting that when Jesus asks the question, what's going on here? First of all, I think he knew Mm -hmm. what was going on. Second of all, it's interesting that the Pharisees didn't speak up. Why would they speak up? They're just troublemakers. The disciples didn't speak up. Why wouldn't they speak up? I think they're embarrassed. So who speaks up? The voice from the crowd is the father of the son. And that's because he's desperate because he's got a demon-possessed son here who throws himself in the fire, cuts himself, and can't speak. And this is horrible. This father has a dream, and his dream is, heal my son. But this has caused doubt, I think, in the father. The argument of the Pharisees, the failure of the disciples. So I think Jesus is going, oh, you adulterous generation. How long am I going to have to put up with you? When are you going to start living your life by faith in the Son of God? That's what I think is kind of going on. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. (laughs) what do you mean if i can jesus asks anything is possible if a person believes the father instantly cried out i do believe but help me overcome my unbelief i think that's a really major it's probably the most profound statement yeah and i think that really fits all of us you know you you pray for someone And I know you do. You pray for your patients. You've had me pray for your patients. So I know that you believe in praying for your patients. And uh, we have had a friend uh, that we've been praying for for seven years, a dear friend of Mike's and mine and our wives. And she passed away today of uh, ALS. And it's just saddened our heart, broken our heart. Um, But praise the Lord. I was thinking as, as I heard that news, it's her... What is it? Entrance into heaven day, right. you know, coronation day. That's what the word. Coronate, coronation. Uh, coronation there you go. day. She's ushered into heaven because of Jesus Christ, and what he's he's saying is, even though your son is not healed, I'm still going to heal him. I'm still going to show grace. And when he asks the man, "Do you believe?" the man says. Well, if you can do it, I believe, but I have some unbelief. I believe that Jesus can heal anybody that you pray for. I probably have some doubts whether he's going to or not. 
That's just my unbelief. The Bible says, have faith that if you say to that mountain, be cast into the sea, that the mountain's on its way. I think that faith is available to us. I think that we are unavailable to have the faith that God perhaps would want us to have. And I think that's what's going on. But I love it, the fact that it's not the doubt or the weakness in the faith of the Father that keeps Jesus from healing his son. It's the love and grace in Jesus that allows him to heal the son and complete the dream of the Father who had a well son. I do want to say something just to, for a minute, Jack, um, because, you know, we, there's there's preachers in our culture and in this world, and there's a lot of Christians that, you know, they, they want to point to suffering and problems that people have as a lack of faith. And and that is just not right. Um, it's perverted. Yeah. It's perverted. Yeah. It's, it's ignorance and foolishness because, um, well, I mean— even Joseph, who raised Jesus, died. You know, I mean, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus could have, right. James suffered, Thomas well, suffered. Because here's Jesus, you know, when he's on the cross and his mother is there and John is there and he, he says, hey, take care of my mom. Where, where was Joseph? Well, Joseph had died. Right. Was that because of a lack of faith? Was it because he didn't believe that Jesus could have kept him alive? Or No, it's nonsense. So uh, faith doesn't mean that every little thing, that every little ailment or every big ailment um, is going to be answered w- with healing. That's not what it's about. Um, he, he's wanting to heal our lives and our hearts and our souls. Um, and when Jesus is here as a human... We talked about this before, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again. If he had a weakness, it was his compassion. Because when he felt compassion, he always acted. He always acted on that compassion. John, I want to say something that um, may not be popular with everyone, but Jesus is forever saying, Oh, unbelieving generation. Mm-hmm. And I think that Jesus was living at a time and came at just the right time that God had planned, you know, for him to come. But it was in a time when there was a lot of unbelief. And he called these people often an unbelieving generation. And I wonder how close we're getting to being an unbelieving generation. There are so many people because I know that what God wants, what Christ wants, is our belief. He, his desire for us, his will for us, he says, when you're obeying me is when you are believing in me. That is to obey Jesus, is to believe. And I pray that you won't be a part of an unbelieving generation, but that you will uh, believe that Jesus is alive and that he is well and that he does heal and he does love us. And uh, it is so much bigger than just every individual getting their little foible fixed, you know, or their little little pain healed. It's beyond that. Uh, or their he, candidate elected. Yes. You know. Yes. Yeah, it's way bigger than way all of bigger our stuff. Way bigger than that. Way bigger um, than that. I, I would 
say something to this, and that is that, you know, one of the fallacies of our human experience is we have a tendency to picture God as we want to picture God, to invent a Jesus that fits a mold that we want him to fit. Um, And there's a lot of that. I mean, I, I'm sure I do that. And so I'm not telling you to, you know, reference my words or Jack's words, but I am telling you to, to trust in the, the Bible, um, as the word of God. And, um, I mean, it may not be perfect in, in the sense of not having a single flaw or anything. I'm not going to quibble over that kind of stuff. I do believe that God inspired these words through his Holy Spirit and through the, the many, many people and the many lives that gone, have gone into this, the stories and into the writing. Um, I believe that this is his word to us. Um, and if you want to know Jesus, know him through his word. Study this word and get to know him. Don't invent him. Don't think that he's who you think he is or who I say he is or who somebody else says he is. Read his words. Read the scripture and see who he says that he is. By the way, of course, the disciples were concerned as to why they couldn't hear the kid. Always about them. Yeah. And uh, he said, this kind come out. And there are some passages and there are some translations that say this kind only come out through much fasting and prayer. Um, my ESV in Mark says through much prayer. Yeah. And so fasting and prayer sometimes uh, goes together. But I want to kind of close this out by going back to First Peter, where we kind of started this discussion, chapter five, and remind you of chapter verse six. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So at the proper time, he may exalt you. And I think that's the key, is that we humble ourselves and know that when we humble ourselves under the hand of God, that the promise is one day we will be exalted in heaven in that kingdom that Jesus was talking about where we will reign forever and ever with him. And we'll be around Elijah and Moses to have a chat too about that day when they were transfigured with him on that mountain. Be an interesting discussion. I would, I would love to hear those kind of <laughs> stories. Absolutely love that. So I think that's a great place to end it, Jack. Um, we started First Peter uh, with the last one and then we're ending it with this one. Um, Humble yourselves before God and seek His face. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Hope that you're being blessed by our little journey through Mark here. Um, And I just hope that, uh, you know, your heart is open to Jesus, uh, to knowing Him, and to uh, getting to know Him better. Um, He's he's our ultimate goal, um, and He's who we're looking forward to. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.